Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I hope I've successfully removed all the evidences of chocolate muffin from my face. Uh, thank you, Jessica, for that, and Mary for the hot drink. Um, let's have a quick word of prayer. I'm going to try to project, but we've got a lot of road noise and other noise around, so if you can't hear me, then please take the initiative and come forward. Father, we thank you for the mercy and grace that's evidenced to us this morning because of your presence here with us. Lord, we humbly come into your presence this morning and confess to you we're a needy people. We need humility. We need grace. We need comfort. We need mercy. Most of all, Lord, we need to experience more of you and your your overwhelming and everlasting love for us. Why we doubt it, Lord, we do not know. But God, we thank you that your love for us this morning is real, it's tangible, and it is everlasting. Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would use my lips to speak your word. Use my mind, Lord, to communicate what you want to say this morning. We commit this time to you, Lord. We want to be attentive to your spirit. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. At the man camp uh, in Oriental a couple of weeks ago, as we've talked about before, we shared from a book that Bill shared with us called Gentle and Lowly. Wayne shared some key thoughts uh, last week that were very meaningful to him and of course, Bill's been sharing nuggets from it for weeks now. The subtitle of that book is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. The key scripture of the book, the text that brings context, is found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And I want to read it again, yet again. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. As we communicated to one another before, this is how the Son of God defines and declares Himself to the world. I am gentle and humble in heart. We came away from that weekend together as men desiring to become ever more godly men with a renewed focus on being gentle men, humble men, like our Savior Jesus, who even now at this very moment is actively, passionately, patiently pleading our case to the Father. Gentle men, humble men, This is our desire before the Father, to be like Jesus. This morning I want to focus for just a few short minutes, and this will be a shorter message than normal for me. (laughs) But a few short minutes on what it means from Scripture to be humble, to live in a place of humility. You know, we often associate humility with something that's obtained through a painful process or through suffering or loss in order to be found in a place of humility. 
Author Gavin Ortland describes that thought this way, we know we need it, but we don't expect it to be much fun. It's kind of like going to the dentist. Well, C.S. Lewis gave us the opposite perspective when he said, to get even near humility, even for a moment, it's like a drink of cold water to a man in the desert. To even get near humility, even for a moment, it's like a drink of cold water to a man in the desert. Do you crave humility like that? Tim Keller agreed when he said, there's nothing more relaxing than humility. Pride grumbles at everything, but humility can joyfully receive life as a gift. What did these men understand about humility that perhaps we miss today? Ortland notes, we think humility is an impossible burden, but in reality, reality, it is as light as a feather. It is pride that makes life gray and drab. Humility brings out the color. He goes on to make two... Do it. Okay. We think humility is an impossible burden, but in reality, it is as light as a feather. It is pride that makes life gray and drab. Humility brings out the color. He goes on to make two points about humility that I believe are key to our laying hold of the liberality found in biblical humility. The first one is this. Humility isn't hiding. Humility isn't hiding. It's not hiding our talents, abilities, or giftings to purposely belittle ourselves, mistakenly thinking that we're being humble does not bring glory to God. God is glorified in us when we rightfully give back to Him the praise and the honor and the glory for any good thing that we've received freely from Him. When we can do that in such a way that the world sees our good works as we shine forth His light, then He is glorified and we are filled with joy and freedom in the process. So humility isn't hiding and shrinking back into the shadows. Humility isn't hiding. And secondly, humility isn't self-hatred. The Bible never says, hate yourself, instead love your neighbor. On the contrary, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Self-hatred is actually sin, and it's crippling and devastating and self-defeating. It's from the enemy of our souls, not the liberator, our liberator and savior. Gavin Ortland points out that whatever else humility will require of you, it will never rob you of your dignity as an image bearer of God. Humble people do not regard their own existence as evil. They do not regard themselves as corrupting everything they touch or wasting the space in which they move. They can walk about freely in the world with a bounce in their step. So many people today live in the torment of self-hatred, self-loathing, and self-punishment. This is not the will of God for any of us. Humility isn't hiding, and it isn't self-hatred. What is biblical humility? Timothy Keller, in his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, said this the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or less of myself it's thinking of myself less 
It's not thinking more of myself or less of myself. It's simply thinking of myself less. Humility is seeing Christ for who He is and focusing on His excellence, His goodness, His kindness, His mercy, His grace, His light, His peace, His nature, and desiring to see those attributes and that character manifested in our own lives. Well, that can only happen when I choose to die to myself and to live for Him. That's a daily process of choosing and doing As John the Baptist so eloquently put it in John 3.20, He must increase, but I must decrease. Humility is desiring more than anything else that Jesus' life and light be seen in my life. Keller put the Christian life into perspective when he said this, The gospel is this, We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. When we fully grasp that reality and apply that truth to our lives, then we can live in joyful humility. C.S. Lewis once noted about humility, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man that he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, swarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably, all you will think about him is that he seemed to be a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in you and in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Joy is a good acid test for humility, Ortland points out. If we lack joy, we know we've got a counterfeit. Something is missing. It's misfiring. Well, This brings us back to Jesus, who described himself to the world as gentle and humble in heart. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, that scripture again, Christ beckons, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Following Christ is liberating. Being yoked to Him is not burdensome. His yoke is easy and light because there's joy in humbling ourselves before Him. And in the midst of that place of humility, we find rest for our souls. Who would not come to that? Who would not seek that? If we're not at rest, we're simply not doing it right. (laughs) Jesus loves us and accepts us more than we can ever know or hope to know. May we come to Him this morning to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, to have correct thoughts about Him as we see Him in Scripture and experience Him by the leading of the Holy Spirit in us. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 17, we find this story that Jesus told. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Jesus said, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, 
God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector was aware of his sinfulness before a holy and merciful God. He wasn't hiding, and he wasn't hating himself either. He was pleading with a merciful God to show him mercy. His humility before God exalted him to God. That passage continues with this, And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So we must come to Christ as little children. We come weary and heavy laden, burdened by trying to do in ourselves what only the Holy Spirit can well up with living water to spilling over. So this morning, Lord, we come to you desiring to empty ourselves in order to be filled with you. We come weary to find rest for our souls. We want to take on your oak and learn from you how to live in the freedom and joy of humility and gentleness. A verse that we all know and love, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Jesus is our example of humility. Philippians 2, 8-11 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. (coughs) So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (coughs) Excuse me. No one has ever humbled themselves more than Jesus. From heaven to the cross, it was the ultimate descent. But for Jesus, humility was a pathway to joy. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we want to grow in humility, we must go to the cross. Gavin Ortland sums up today's message for me in this way. So humility is not hiding what you can do or hating who you are. It's the joy of thinking about yourself less and about Jesus more. Let's come to Jesus this morning, for He is gentle and humble in heart, and we will find rest for our souls. In a few minutes after we close in prayer, we're going to celebrate the decision by Slava and Christina to follow Jesus and to seek Him with their whole hearts as evidenced by their wanting to follow the Lord in obedience in baptism. Baptism, I think I can say this confidently, Baptism is an act of bold humility. It's bold humility. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. Slava and Christine have heard the gospel. They confessed with their mouths Jesus is Lord. They believed in their hearts that God raised Him from the dead. And as a result, they're saved. They've been saved. Past tense, it's done. (laughs) They're forever His. Baptism identifies to the world the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the life of a believer. We go under in death to self and we rise in newness of life to live for Christ. Being baptized today is their statement to our church, to their families, to their friends, to the world that they have decided to follow Jesus. We get to share this moment with them in joyful humility. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment, this minute, this hour to come together as a fellowship to worship You, to adore You, to profess with our mouths our love and adoration for You, to proclaim through baptism our decision to follow You. Lord, for each of us that have given our lives to Jesus, our hands are to the plow. Help us not to turn back. And I thank you, Jesus, that as the Scripture says and as the song said a few minutes ago, we're forever yours. There's nothing we can ever do that will cause you to love us less. There's nothing we can ever do that will cause you to love us more. So, Lord, just as we are, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We pray that You would work by the Holy Spirit as we submit our lives to You daily to bring a godly humility to us that makes us gentle men and gentle women, humble men and humble women that are a reflection of who You are. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword 
Pierce the areas of our lives, Lord, that need it. Strengthen the knees that need to be strengthened. And Lord, again this morning, we just recommit our way to You. We thank You for Your goodness, Your grace, Your mercy, Your kindness, Your gentleness, Your humility towards us. We love You, Jesus. And we ask this in Your name. Amen.